You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. Good morning. How are you guys? Oh, I'm so glad to be here. All right. We've been preaching all weekend. We've been digging in, and I am excited to see what God is going to do in and through your lives. Um, He has been just moving so powerfully, and he kind of always is wherever we are. Isn't that kind of cool? Because he's omnipresent, so that's great. Um, (laughs) But I'm going to pray over this service and just ask God to have his way here. Father, I thank you. Um, that you are amongst us, that you are for us, that you are with us, you are not against us. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would completely and totally have your way in this service, that you would, would silence any confusion around us or within us, that your peace that passes all understanding would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, that we would lean in and hear what you want to say to us, that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to understand. Maybe where this scripture, this passage has been confusing, would you bring clarity? Would you bring revelation? Would you bring that one thing that you want us to do with your word after we walk out of these doors today? But I just submit every word to you and ask that you would have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, and I just, I just want to take a moment. Can we just thank Pastors Kim and Mel for being literally the most amazing, down-to-earth, loving humans that I know? Um, I get to go to a lot of different places, and um, there are not, not all pastors um, really love people. Isn't that bad? <laughs> And I just, it's like, I love just watching them amongst the people. I love like how they love Indiana. They love the people here. They love the places and spaces that God has called them to. But I just honor you for loving your lane and running in it and loving the people well around you. And so I'm grateful for your friendship um, and also for your husband, even just chatting with him. I'm like, man, his heart for pastors in the region that you guys are in. I just believe that there is just going to be such a linking of arms and a great harvest of the gospel because you guys really love the people here. And so I'm excited. Are you guys excited about that? You guys are in a beautiful house, in a good house. And um, I love your pastor as my friends. But hey, if you are taking notes, I'm going to get straight into the word of God. I would love for you to write this down. The message title is called Be Prepared. Some of you are like, that's right. I'm the prepared person. Don't worry. I got this. If anything happens or goes down, I am in. You already know. You're like, this is me. Well, I'm going to talk about something different than you probably think. But I know you guys just finished a series on First and Second Peter, and I didn't realize how much Second Peter 3 really goes into this message that I'm going to share today. So it feels like, you know, they kind of, it's like, you know, like, what's up, God? It's like you have a word for us or something. But, um, you know, I was thinking about this scripture and how Proverbs uh, 16.9 says this, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. It's kind of annoying, isn't it? 
We're like, hey, Lord, I had these plans. I just need you to bless them and take care of what I asked you to do, okay? Um, But instead, like what we do is we live these submitted lives where we are prepared and we move towards the things of God. We do make, there's nothing wrong with making plans because the planner's like, excuse me, what kind of message will this be? No, I'm not saying don't make plans. Make plans, build structure around your life, lean into God, but understand that we live in this posture of surrender. God can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it because he is the God of the universe and his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And that's great and irritating all at the same time, isn't it? So um, as I was preparing, I was thinking about the story of how my husband and I met each other and got married. I'll tell you right now, like when I got saved at 19 years old, I had lived a wild promiscuous lifestyle. And so uh, I gave my life to Jesus and I had one of those moments when I got saved and said, Jesus, you can have it all. I really gave it all to him. I turned from my ways and I completely turned to God and said, I want whatever you want. The one thing I didn't stop doing though was kissing all the boys. I was like, I ain't sleeping with them. So can I just kiss them? Can I just kiss everybody? And there was this moment where even then the Lord was like, oh gosh, I love you so much. Can you please stop? And I was like, oh, okay. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, the next person you kiss is actually gonna be your husband. I was like, that's intense. I would still like to just try out a few more. Is that okay, you know? But um, I really did submit that to God. I felt that that was something that he had asked me to do. So then um, I officially deferred from university. I did my whole freshman year at UW, University of Washington. Got saved that summer, never went back. (laughs) Whoops. Um, But I went to ministry school because once I gave my life to Jesus, all I knew was I want to build the church. And so my, my life really did shift. So I, I moved to Sydney, Australia. I start ministry school. And I'll tell you what, like I had the type in my mind of the guy I was going to marry. I was going to marry a football player, guys, a Christian football player. I mean, I knew it because that's what I did in high school. So therefore just save him and then I'll marry that. No other real deep things that I was asking for, but that's what I thought my type was. And then along walks my husband. My husband who does not care about sports. He is Australian. He is a singer. He is a leadership guy. Like he is phenomenal, very steady, amazing man. But none of the things that I thought, so he kept like showing up at the parties I was at. I was like, oh, he's here again. He's like, hey, I'm like, Hey, why is he here? Um, and, and he just, you know, he was there, he was around. And, um, and then about six months in, uh, to me being at ministry school, he asked me out on a date and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like, I am, he's not my type. I mean, I'll give it a shot. I'll like appease him and go out on this date. So I say, yes, I'll go out on the date. And then, um, he's running late. He's running late for the date. And you know, I dated guys. I dated guys in high school that were the guys that just didn't show up on time and they'd come an hour later and they're like, you know, I was coming baby. And I was like, yeah, do whatever you want. I'm like a, I'm a, I'm your carpet. Like walk on me. Like it's fine. I just, I had no value. And then I had all of this value because I had been adopted into the family of God. And I was like, this guy's late. It was two minutes. I get a phone call and he's like, Hey, I just want you to know I'm stuck in traffic because of the weather, but I will be there in a couple of minutes. I was like, Hmm, check number one. This guy has integrity. He called me and let me know it was going to be late. Didn't keep me hanging. Shows up at the door. My dad always told me, don't date a guy who doesn't open the car door for you. Word to the young guys. Open the car door. And if she's like, don't open the car door for me, go, I'm going to open it anyway. 
<laughs> so anyways, I get there and I like go to walk towards the car. He gets there, he's so kind, it's good to see him. Get to the car door, he opens the car door for me. I was like, oh, check number two. I get in the car and then you guys, I'd never dated an older guy. See, here's part of my problem. Because I was insecure, I needed a guy that I could control. So I always, you know, that's bad by the way, girls. Um, <laughs> so I, he was five years older than me and just had this maturity and love for God. And so anyways, we're sitting there, the conversation that we have, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's making me nervous because he kind of like knows what he wants and knows who he is. And this is like, whoa. So um, we get to the place where we're having our breakfast date. Didn't take me out at night, took me out in the morning. Good casual first date, you know? We get to the place where we are, and in my mind, it's pouring down rain. It's, well, not in my mind, it was actually pouring down rain. It was pouring down rain, but in my mind, I said, if this guy brought an umbrella, I'm gonna marry him. So I pretend to get out of the car, and it's pouring. I'm like, oh, and he goes, no, 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 wait. I brought an umbrella, and I was like, ah, no! Like, freaking out, right? So we go and we sit together and honestly, it was one of the most beautiful dates that I've ever had. And to this day, I still have the best conversations with my husband, but we sat there and we connected in a way that I was very foreign to me because like I said, I had a promiscuous past. So this is my first like boyfriend as a Christian. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what do I do? So every single week from there, he started to just take me out on a very intentional date. I'd never had Thai food before took me to Thai food. He took me to a movie where they bring you popcorn to your seat. I was like, are you rich? Like I, <laughs> I grew up in Spokane, Washington. We had none of this. Like, um, so he took me there, took me like all of these very intentional dates, our fourth date, fourth date, hadn't kissed, hadn't held hands, just very much a gentleman took me out, took me. It was very intentional, intentional conversations. And then we sit down on our fourth date. He takes me to Cafe Sydney. You guys, this place is like overlooking the Harbor, the Harbor Bridge, the Sydney Opera House. And he gives me the seat where I have the view. Do you know the guys I dated before? They took the seat with the view. So he gave me the seat with the view. And I'm like, who is this guy. Like, I didn't know what to do. And then I knew I started to get nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the first kiss. It's going to be the first kiss date. I don't know what to do. Anyone else where you start to like sweat a little bit and freak out. And so we're walking the Sydney Harbor. He's like, let's go for a walk. I'm like, oh gosh. But this is the funniest part. My husband would say this himself. He had no game. Like he was not a flirt, didn't know, you know. And then there's me with my promiscuous past. So like we are an interesting combo. So he's walking, he grabs my hand. Oh my gosh, we're holding hands. Oh, okay, we're holding hands. But then every time we would, he would stop and then he'd look at me. And I was like, just do it, man. Just give me a kiss. And then we would just keep walking and then he would stop and he'd look at me. And this happened a lot of times, you guys. Like it was kind of awkward. And then finally he built up the courage and he stops and he looks at me, he goes, I, I, I'd like to kiss you. And then he went in and he just kissed me. He didn't ask for my permission. He just declared it and then he did it. And um. After we were done kissing, like this sweet kiss, he stops and we both just started laughing. And he goes, did I just say I'd like to kiss you? I was like, you did. <laughs> but the interesting thing was, in that moment, that brought up so, first of all, I kissed him 
I'm like, no, like all of the things that the Lord's like, the next guy you kiss, I'm like, no, no, no. So guess what I did? Sabotage, like I was like, okay, let's just, let's just ruin this relationship because it's just too good to be true. Let me, let me, you know, God, I am making my own plans. Thank you very much. And so, um, you know, I'm weird to him at ministry school. And then a couple of days later, he's like, do we need to talk? I was like, yeah, 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 we need to talk. And I make up all these reasons. I'm like, well, you're moving away soon to go and do an internship. So I just think we shouldn't have a long distance relationship. And he goes, okay. Like he was reading me already. And I was like, so is there anything that you want to say? And he goes, well, you know, you've really raised my standard for what I'm looking for. Head on his shoulders, no manipulation, didn't cry. And I'm like, geez, buddy. Like, he's like, I'm, I'm disappointed, but you know, you've raised my standard. He walks out the door. I see him at school the next day. He's not weird. He's like, hey, Andy, what's up? He doesn't throw me under the bus. He's not like, mm, you rejected me. He's like a strong man who knows who he is. And I'm like, he's so hot right now. Like, what did I do? <laughs> oh, so it was about a week. I said to the Lord, Every single night before I went to bed, I was like, Lord, if I was a fool, please awaken my heart to this man. And every morning I woke up, he was the first thing on my mind. And uh, okay, this is the funniest part of the story is that, well, it's all kind of funny. But, um, <laughs> but I had said yes to helping out and serving at this youth rally where he was producing and leading an album. He was the worship leader. And so guess what I was doing? I was literally on side of stage, handing him his waters and handing him his towels when he was sweaty and like taking care of him. I'm like, hey, hey. And he is, when I tell you my husband is a focused man, he knew I was there, but he could care less because he was worshiping the Lord and he had a job to do. I was like, oh, so hot. <laughs> so he gets up there and there's this one song he's singing and the words are how I adore you. And he is, they, we sang it at our, well, we didn't sing it at our wedding. We had people sing it at our wedding. Can you imagine? How I adore. <laughs> That'd be weird. But he's singing this song, worshiping Jesus, in love with Jesus, in adoration of Jesus. And I went, I made a mistake. And he got off the stage and I was really weird. I was like, hey. He's like, hey. <laughs> he's like, do you want to go out? And I felt that the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go out right now because you'll be an idiot. But also... <laughs> go home and spend some time with me. So I go sit in the presence of God, I light candles, I turn on worship, and if the ladies are at conference, you know. Um, <laughs> so I'm sitting there with Jesus, and I literally ask this question, I'm like, Lord, tell me, yes or no, am I supposed to marry this man, please? And I feel the Holy Spirit say, I'm not gonna tell you. I was like, because <laughs> we wanna manipulate God, and then blame him when things go hard, or are hard in our marriage, hello. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I'm not the one marrying him, you are. What do you love about him? So I took my journal, six pages later, with tear-stained pages, and I had nothing else to write, and I felt the Spirit of God say, is that good enough for you? I was like, geez, yes. <laughs> so the next day, I go, to, I go to my now husband, and I say, hey, can we, can we talk? And he said, yeah. And I was like, hey, I just, I want to ask for your forgiveness. I made a mistake. See, I knew if he was dating me, he wanted to marry me. That's the kind of guy he is. I know what I want and I'm not here to mess around. So um, just word for the gentleman and word for the ladies on what to look for as well. But um, 
He knew what he wanted. And so that was terrifying too. And so I just said, I, I want to apologize. I knew by saying, I want to get back together. I knew where this was going. I said, I really do want to try again. I want to date you. Do you want to know what he said to me? He wasn't like, yes. He goes, you know, it's been a big week for me, but I, I just want you to know my feelings haven't changed for you, but um, I'm going to need a week to pray about it. And I was like, <sighs> also hot. Like again, I just realized I really needed a man that I could not control or manipulate, but that was going to know how to lead me and come alongside me because I'm a little bit of a strong lady. So, you know, a week later, he's like, all right, lady, let's do this. And it was six months later, we were engaged. Six months later, we were married. And now 21 years, 21 and a half years in, I just thank God every single day that I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for bringing me something that I didn't even know that I needed. When I tried to control the outcomes, make my plans, control the circumstances, where are my controllers in the room? You don't have to raise your hand. But seriously, I think about that and I think about that in our relationship with Jesus and how so often we're trying to control the outcomes with him, but he knows the day and the hour and the times and the things that we need. We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Where are my procrastinators in the room? I know you exist. You're like, I am a great procrastinator. I know that there are things to do, but what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to organize this cupboard. I am going to come up with some creative ideas on what I could do. I'm going to ignore the deadline that is in front of me. But you know what? When you get close to the deadline, you better know you get that job done, don't you? Because I'm like, I ain't getting fired from this job. I'm going to get the job done, even though I could have done it a week ago, right? That's what us procrastinators do. But then when the deadline comes, you get in order. And what I've learned even about Jesus and his return is there is no deadline. We do not know when he is going to return for his bride. Only our father in heaven knows, right? Only our father in heaven knows. So what do we do as his followers? Often what we do, because we don't have a deadline, we don't have a date, we don't know, we procrastinate, don't we? We procrastinate in our relationship with Jesus. We procrastinate instead of dealing with the issues in our heart. We procrastinate instead of making amends and walking in forgiveness towards others. We procrastinate and instead hold on to that offense and don't deal with the issues of our heart. We procrastinate rather than walk in obedience to God and do what he's asking us to do. And we're like, you know, I might, you know, I have more time. We don't know, do we? Do we have more time? I don't know. I want to live my life like I only have today. So therefore, where relationships are broken down and it is in my power to make amends, I better do it. Where it's in my power to deal with the issues of my heart and repent, I better do it because I do not know how much time I have. What am I living prepared for? What am I living prepared for? I think about my big purse that's literally sitting right there. I would like to be a small purse person, but I'm not. Because I always live with the thought of like, I might need something in there. I might need it. And so to my dismay, my whole family is always asking me for everything that's in that bag. Hey mom, can I please have your hand sanitizer? Hey mom, I know you brought salt and pepper. Can I have the salt and pepper? Hey mom, I got a cut. Do you have that Neosporin and a band? Hey mom, I need to, I need those hand wipes. This is gross. Hey mom, can I please have the Tabasco? Hey mom, right? Oh, I have a hangnail, mom. Can I have the nail clippers? Hey, mom. Hey, mom. Hey, mom. 
I've got everything, everything in there. I've got my makeup. I've got a little Bible. I've got, you know, I am ready for anything on alone. You know that show alone? I could survive for at least maybe one, two days with just my purse. Like just eat the salt. Like I, I, got, I got snacks actually, I have snacks. Maybe I could survive a week, mm, maybe even longer with fasting. I just would need to find a water source. Okay, we're going down a road we don't need to go down. The truth is, <laughs> When I thought about my big bag and everything that I'm prepared for, it's like, I feel like through earthly things, the Lord is continuously convicting me and showing me things. He said, hey, Andy, you are prepared for a lot of earthly things, but are you prepared in the spiritual? I was like, "Mm." (laughs) great question. And I feel like in some ways I really am. There are some ways I'm like, yeah, I feel like I'm prepared in some ways. And I, I would say around this room, you could say, these are my strengths in preparedness in the spirit. And then there are others where we're not so prepared. We're not ready. We're not tending to the things and the issues of our heart. Jesus said this in Matthew 26, 41. He said, watch and pray. Watch and pray that you may not what? Enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. I think that's interesting. There, the, the context of this was the Garden of Gethsemane. So Jesus was in a place where he was about to be crucified and he needed his friends with him watching and praying. He needed them. And the temptation they were about to walk into was to deny Christ and run away because of what the circumstances were about to look to look like. So he was giving them a warning. You need to watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. And then the kindness of God says to us, I know your spirit is willing, but I also know that your flesh is weak because Jesus has just literally lived 33 years in the flesh, understanding what it was to have a weakness as a human being. There's not one of us in this room that's like, you know what my goal is for next year when the new year ticks over? I want to go backwards in my relationship with Jesus. That's, that's not a goal that we have. Our spirit is willing to lean in, to grow for more. We want to live prepared for anything. What if Jesus does rip through the clouds today? Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's 2,000, 3,000 more years. We don't know, but how are we living prepared? And our spirit is so willing. I mean, how many times have we been like, new year, I'm going to do the one year Bible this year. I'm going to fast at least twice, like a whole day. Woo! I know it's in the Bible and I should do it. At least give it a shot. But I love food. Oh, don't think about it too much or you'll already stop doing it, right? So these are the things that we do. And then about three months in, you're like, whew, I was going to do the one year Bible, but I'm still in Genesis 3, right? Our spirit is so willing. We long for more of God. We're created to commune with him, but our flesh is indeed weak. This is why it says, Jesus says, watch, live wide awake and pray so that you may not enter into temptation and regress and turn away. But how do we do this? You know, we're going to go into um, the parable of the 10 virgins. And this is a parable that Jesus shares right after he has literally given the prophetic word, a prophecy about the signs of the end of the age. Hello, those are not the fun prophecies, right? 
You read those and imagine as his disciples, he's like, here's the birthing pains. Here's the things you're going to see. You're going to see wars and rumors of wars, all of these things. And there are people even right now because of the wars that we are seeing and the rumors of wars and the pain. You guys, all of the years that we have walked through just recently, 2016, 2020, 2021, we have an election year next year, the crushing, the pressing, everything going on around the nations. There are a lot of people that are going, the Lord is coming soon. And I'm like, maybe. But here's the deal, theologically, we have been in the last days since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is a last day and none of us, not even Jesus nor the angels in heaven know when that day is. So we need to live prepared instead of getting our conspiracy theories out there and lean into the presence and the power of God and deal with the issues of our hearts. Amen? So he's about to, he shared the signs of the end of the age. And then you better believe as the disciples, my first question would be like, can you give us like the date and time? So we're ready, right? <laughs> and he's like, I'm telling you, I don't even know. But here is a parable, a story on what your posture should be. How to live prepared no matter what. Whether I come after you breathe your last on this earth or I come in five years time, I want you to live prepared as my bride. So this parable talks about 10 virgins. The virgins represent the disciples of Jesus Christ. So that's all of us. And the groom or the bridegroom represents Jesus. So let's read this together. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take oil with them, but the wise ones took all, um, oil and their flasks with their lamps. When the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. One second, I just lost my, there you go. In the middle of the night, there was a shout. Here's the groom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins got up, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are gonna go out. That feeling of fear, of terror. <laughs> The wise ones answered, no, there won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Bit savage. When they had gone to buy some, the groom arrived and those who were ready went in with him. Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the rest of the virgins also came and said, master, master, open up for us. And then he replied, parts of scripture that we would like to close the Bible on. Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. I don't know you in that place of intimacy and preparation of knowing. Therefore, be alert because you don't know the day or the hour. <sighs> we love it. <laughs> I actually love a good warning in scripture. I love learning wisdom through other people's mistakes or through stories that Jesus tells us and shows us the way. How do we live as wise disciples in this day and hour instead of unwise? Well, number one is this, be prepared for anything. We do need to be prepared for anything. And, um, you know, living even in the South now, South Carolina, where there are hurricanes all the time and hurricane season is very long, 
you kind of have to be prepared for a hurricane at all times, right? There are things that we prepare for. When you're pregnant and gonna have a baby, you read about what it is to be a parent. How do you do this? How do you take care of this child? When you're about to get married, you do pre-marriage counseling to lean into what it is to be prepared. When You know what I mean? There are things that we do to be prepared. So what does that look like to be prepared for anything in the spiritual with how God wants to move in our lives as we are submitted to him? Well, straight from this parable, it shows us what there, there was five wise and there was five unwise. And you know, if there were five foolish and five unwise, what was the difference? I was thinking about how um, at a wedding too, like if I drive to a location like Florida or something to go to a location wedding, like you get the invitation, it tells you usually what time the wedding ceremony is. So you're gonna sleep at midnight. Well, unless you're up hanging out with everybody, but usually if you're me, you're sleeping at midnight. So if I got a knock on the door and went, surprise, it's a wedding in the middle of the night. I'd be like, I'm not coming. Like literally I have my whole thing that I'm gonna do to get prepared to look good for this wedding. And that is not right now, right? And I think what this is trying to show us is this is the difference between our timeline and God's timeline. He could come like a thief in the night and show up, am I prepared for that to be like, ooh, yeah, I got my oil, I'm ready, Lord. <laughs> or am I like, no, 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 not now, not now. I was waiting until tomorrow to take care of business. So the difference between the five foolish and the five wise. So what we see is we read this. It says right here that they, they, they had extra flasks of oil, right? The wise had extra, they had overflow. The unwise only had their Herodian oil lamp. This is an exact replica of a Herodian oil lamp, not bought in Israel, but bought on Amazon. So um, this oil, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but think about this. Everyone that came, everyone had oil in their lamps. So all 10 had oil in their lamps. All 10 were invited. All 10 RSVP'd yes all gathered at the bridegroom's house. You guys, everyone here in this room, you're all invited as disciples of Jesus Christ. All of us have said, yes, we're here, we're in, we're all in, all 10. But all 10 had the lamps, but not everybody had the extra oil. All 10 went to sleep. There is nothing wrong with rest. But the difference is, what do you have in your bag? What are you prepared for in the spirit when anything happens? Because wisdom prompts watchfulness and demonstrates preparation. This represents preparation. What are we prepared for? The unwise walked in presumption, whereas the wise walked in anticipation. Presumption in our Christianity ends up looking like, well, I'm saved. I can do whatever I want. Grace covers everything. I'm like, yes, his grace does cover that. Can I ask you a question? Why would you want to live like that? I uh, wrote something a couple of weeks ago and said some pretty, you know, intense words. I was like, preach the gospel. Da, da, da. And one of the things was, is don't do anything stupid that would compromise your salvation. And then people are like sweating. They're like, what does that mean to compromise your salvation? I'm like, listen, don't openly turn your back on Jesus and not, and say, I'm not following him. That's obvious. Like you reject Christ that compromises your salvation. So let me answer your question, but let me ask you a question. Why would you want to compromise anything in your walk with God? 
Why do we give the enemy an inch and we're like, mm, tomorrow I'll take care of it? No, don't do that. That's presumption. You're presuming upon God and you're showing up with just your oil lamp. You don't have extra when you presume, but when we anticipate, when we lean into the secret place, this is the biggest thing that I've learned. No leader is gonna need to tell me to repent of my sin. If I'm in the word and in his presence, I am convicted by the Holy Spirit to live this life where it's all laid down. Nobody needs to tell me. And then the thing is, is when somebody does tell you, you're like, don't talk to me like that. That's a rebellious spirit, by the way. So you should repent of that too. But um, <laughs> that's a side. So we have to understand there is in this story, there is the delay, so they fall asleep. But then there's also preparedness for it could happen at any time. So delays, what do delays do? They test what's in our heart. When you cry out to God, you have a hope for something and God delays because God is bigger and understands and sometimes he's not even gonna give you what you ask for because he knows that that would not be good for your future. Because <laughs> he's like, he's God <laughs> and he understands, right? But those delays, it brings things in our hearts. So live prepared to deal with the issues of your heart, but also be prepared with anything. Go into the secret place, into a place of overflow. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on how we can do that. So be prepared for anything. Number two is this. Number two is this, don't live on borrowed oil. Don't live on borrowed oil. Stop trying to take what everybody else has and make it your own. Don't live on borrowed oil. It says, then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. The wise ones answered, no, there won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Do you know why they said that to the unwise? Because that's what they had to do. Do you know how you get overflow? Is you go to the source. You go to the source to receive oil, to receive his presence, to receive the overflow that you are longing for. Now listen, we live in a day and age where borrowed oil has become the norm. And this is something that I've, now listen, I'm an author. I write books that help you in your discipleship journey. I have a podcast that is to help you in your discipleship journey, but ultimately it's borrowed oil that I am sharing and it's meant to be catalytic for you to desire to go deeper in your faith and run to the secret place for yourself to get deliverance and healing and freedom. Does that make sense? So there's so much that's going on now and why we even get offended in the church is because we are trying to take things from somebody that we can only give from Jesus. That they, have, they cannot give us. We need to run to the Father. We need to run to the secret place. We need to run to the source where there is more than enough. And so often it's like in the church, there's this scarcity mentality. We watch somebody else flourish and run into God. We watch them overflow and God move in their lives and, and then we're like, oh no, that means that I won't get, I won't get that. And it's like, God's like, I am literally more than enough. I am the I am, I am more than enough, but we are pulling and trying to get from other people and God's like, stop, run to me. I am all that you need. I am more than enough. And listen, when, when we live with extra oil, this is the beautiful thing. At some stage, this oil lamp, 
the light will go out because there's a certain amount. Might even go out now because I didn't trim the wick. Oh, that's in the parable too. Please, please stay lit. Mm. Um, so the truth is at some stage, this, this will go out because there's a certain amount of oil in there. But we know that when we carry extra with us, that this fire will never stop burning. And some of us are in a place in our lives where it's like, it feels like the fire, my fire for Jesus, my fire for the church, my fire even for my own life, feels like it's going out. And we believe somehow it's like, oh, we just settle into that. No, no, no. I've had seasons like this where I'm reminded, oh my gosh, I have not been coming to you, Lord, as a source. I've been going everywhere else trying to get a hit to feel good and feel okay, but you are all I need. And it's actually simple. <laughs> Some of you are maybe weary and you're like, I'm too, I'm, I feel tired to read the, the Bible right now. That's okay. Go get you version and play the Bible and listen to it. Get the word in you. Some of you don't know where to start. You're like, I don't know where to get the oil. I'm new at this, or I've been in this for a while and I feel dry. Talk to some friends. Talk. That's why we can't do this alone. We have to go, hey, what are you reading? Maybe we could read a couple of chapters together of the Bible and talk about it. I don't know. I'm trying to grow. I need more oil. I need to go to the source. What do you do? How does it work for you? And then there's just the simplicity of crying out to God in his presence running to the secret place. There's this little path that I go on. I'll drop off Sam at school, go around this roundabout, and I promised a friend that I'll intercede and pray for her brother who needs Jesus desperately. But then this other straight part of it, often when I'm feeling dry and weary, I'll just sing. There's no um, song playing on my radio, but I'll just sing this song, you provide the fire, and I'll provide the sacrifice. You provide your spirit, and I will open up inside. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. There's no other source than the source. So don't live on borrowed oil because you don't have to. There is more than enough. Ooh, it's really going low. I feel like that's a good illustration for us. <laughs> don't you think? Isn't that funny? It's oh, different in every service. There's more than enough. <laughs> more than enough. The last thing is this. <laughs> is stay alert. Don't hit snooze. Stay alert. Don't hit snooze. <laughs> We're giggling because there's so many snoozers in here, are there? You felt that. <laughs> They're like, ha ha. <laughs> okay, where are my snoozers at? You snooze. Yep. Where are your disgruntled spouses or roommates at? <laughs> I laugh because um, I'm a morning person, but I do love snooze. So like 30 minutes before I need to wake up, it's, I, I'll, put on this, I'll put on snooze and my, my alarm is bird song. So it's like, oh, like the birds are singing. It's, it slowly starts and then builds and, you know, it's gentle. It's a gentle way to wake up. And so I will, you know, snooze and my husband's like, seriously? Because he's not the morning person, but he sets one alarm and then he sits up, gets up, 
goes and gets a cup of coffee and brings me one and is frustrated because I have been like, snooze, 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 like, ugh. (laughs) And I was thinking about how we do this in our Christianity, how we fall asleep. Once again, there's nothing wrong with rest, but we fall asleep to the day and the hour that we're in. We fall asleep to our own life. We fall asleep to the heart issues that we need to deal with. We fall asleep to the marriage issues we need to actually address. We fall asleep to the unhealth in our lives and our minds. And we're like, that's fine. Tomorrow, 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 and tomorrow never comes, right? That's a movie, isn't it? Anyway, um, it just never comes. Because we keep postponing, we keep delaying, we fall asleep to our own life. Meanwhile, there is an alarm that is sounding and we keep hitting snooze. We live in a day and hour, we don't have time to do that because we don't know how much time we have. And like I said, it could be thousands of years. But in my own life, only the Lord knows my first and last breath. And I wanna live surrendered with everything that I am wide awake to anything he wants me to do, anything he wants me to repent of, any issue he wants me to confront. I'm like, Lord, I am yours. Um, During a hurricane, our first hurricane in Charleston, and everyone thought they're like, oh, you know, it's your first hurricane. I was like, no, we lived in New York. There was two huge hurricanes. Anybody remember we lived through those? (laughs) It's kind of wild. But, um, So they're like, let's have a hurricane party, which actually ended up being kind of fun. In New York, there ain't no room for a hurricane party at most of your apartments and houses. So, um, but at, at this place, we went over to a friend's house and we stayed there a couple of nights. And as the storm passed, um, we had sat out on their porch and lit a fire after the worst of the storm was gone. And the fire was burning and it was literally the middle of the night. So we were all exhausted. But you know, when you're all together like that, those moments don't happen all the time with your close friends. So you enjoy it um, because we knew we were going to go back to our lives. (laughs) So we got so exhausted that we're like, okay, we're all calling it. Let's go to bed. Some of our kids were already asleep. Um, It's the middle of the night. And so we're all kind of, you know, cleaning up and putting stuff away and getting, getting ready to go up to our rooms, brushing teeth, pajamas on. And, and we're putting out the fire. One of our friends was putting out the fire on the porch. And what we didn't know was that underneath the fire, a crack had happened in the fireplace and embers all day long had been going down underneath the fire and getting into the foundation of the house and into the walls of the house. And this slow fire was starting to burn. And so um, our friend was trying to put out the fire and it wasn't working. And then he realized and looked down and saw from underneath the fire that there was a fire underneath the fire. So he starts yelling. We're all like kids are sleeping. Some of us, you know, we're all exhausted, ready to go to bed, drowsy, weary, because we've stayed up way past our bedtime. And he starts to, he goes, he goes, fire. And we're like, yeah, we know. He's like, no, Fire call 911. And you know, when you hear 911, you're like, like your adrenaline spikes, you're wide awake. And we are all, some of the kids are grabbing buckets. They're going out there. We're trying to put out the fire, but we were all wide awake. We're knocking on the doors, waking up the kids, counting heads. There was so many of us. And we get outside, all of the fire trucks come, all of the neighbors come outside and are looking and filming. And it's like two or three in the morning. It's ridiculous. But you know what? I just remember that feeling of being lulled to sleep, so tired. But the moment you heard fire, we were wide awake. And you know, there's been an alarm going off in the spirit. 
but yet many of us are being lulled to sleep. Lulled to sleep to our own lives, to our own calling, to the people in front of us that need Jesus. And it's time to wake up. May we be prepared in the day and the hour that we are called to, that we are living in. Lord Jesus, we love you. If you feel to, just you can open your hands and place them on your lap. We're just going to ask for his forgiveness. If you feel like you're fine and don't need that, that's good. <laughs> but Lord, would you forgive us? Forgive us for being lulled to sleep in the day and hour that we're in. Forgive us, Lord, for borrowing oil from other people who can do nothing for us. You are the source. We don't have to live on borrowed oil. Forgive us, God, for lacking preparation and growing apathetic towards you when there's more. There's always more. So forgive us, Lord, we want more. Fill us up. Fill us up, pour yourself out where we feel dry and weary. Would you pour yourself out, pour out your spirit afresh. Holy Spirit, move in our lives. We need you for every single thing that we are breathing and on earth to do from raising our children to having conversations to going to work. Every single thing, we need you. We need you in it all. So fill us up, God. Just keep your eyes closed as I pray for a specific group of people. All over this room, I just want to pray for those of you who are not following Jesus. Maybe you showed up in church today and it's been a long time coming and maybe you've driven past Summit Church over and over again and something in your heart says, go in there, go in there, go in there. And today you did. You walked in the doors. Maybe a friend invited you. Maybe you've even been coming for a while, but you're still checking everything out and wondering what this is about. Or maybe you followed Jesus, but you have openly turned your back on him and said, I'm not following you anymore because your heart's been broken and crushed and you've walked away. Well, I want to pray for you guys to come home today because there is a loving God who sent his one and only son, Jesus to save us and redeem us and restore us and forgive us of all of our sins. And we are all sinners sitting in this room. <laughs> we all need his forgiveness and his love. That he is not far from you. He made a way to walk back into his loving arms. And Jesus said, while he roamed the earth, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And we know that in this day and age, People say, oh no, there are many ways to God. That's actually a lie. There is only one way and it is through Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. There is no other God that has died and rose again and done it on your behalf, who shed his blood so that your sins could be forgiven, so that you could be redeemed and restored. He is the way. And many people are looking for what truth is. They're even, you know, living their own truth, speaking their own truth. But again, that is deception because Jesus is the truth. He is the actual word incarnate, the word made flesh come to dwell amongst us. He is the way, he is the truth that we're looking for. He lives the truth, he is the truth, he is the way in which to follow, he is the truth and he's also the life. And many of us are looking for the meaning of life. What is my life about? 
You may have not even wanted to live because you wonder what life is for, but my goodness, he is our life. He is everything you have been looking for, and he gives us meaning to live with everything that we are on this earth. So if you want to repent and turn from your own way, your own truth in your own life and follow in Jesus' way, truth and life, I would love to pray for you today because this is how we're born again. Maybe you've heard that word before and it sounds like some weird Christian word, but here's what it means, that you actually crucify your own way, truth and life. You are crucified with Christ and you rise again in his resurrection power as you leave your old life and you are born again into a new life because your sins are forgiven and you are made whole. This is wild. It's a wild miracle that as we choose to leave our way, we are born again. So right where you're sitting all over this room in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to boldly raise your hand because we are not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. So we get excited and if you know, you know. You're like, this is what I'm doing today. I wanna leave my old life and follow Jesus. I'm not talking about Christians who have had a hard week or month or year. I'm talking about you are not following Jesus and you wanna follow him today. So all over this room at the count of three, if that's you and you wanna follow Jesus, just lift your hand up boldly. All over this room in the balcony, online, those in our other campus, here on the floor. At the count of three, one, two, three, lift up your hands all over this place. Come on, amen. I see you and I see you and I see you. Yeah, and I see you. I see you all. I see you. You can put your hands down. So especially those that raise your hand, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray this prayer. We're gonna confess with our mouth what we believe to be true in our heart that Jesus is the son of God. And we're all gonna pray with you as your brothers and sisters because you're being welcomed into a family that you're adopted into. So everybody repeat after me and this is when the miracle takes place. Whether you feel anything or not, this is the miracle of salvation. So repeat after me. Say, Father God, thank you for loving me. I believe that you sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect, sinless life, to die in my place and rise again so that I could have eternal life. Fill me with your spirit. Transform me in your love. I am a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we all celebrate with everyone that gave their lives to Jesus today? If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.